Dolan Mercer on Manx Radio. Faster Mai, good afternoon and welcome to Perspective. We're broadcasting live from Douglas and the Isle of Man and on the programme this week. One of the abiding memories most people will have from lockdown is how many more people use their precious one hour a day of exercise to get out. Walking and cycling on the back roads, running on the pavement. But in terms of an experiment, it taught me that motorists and pedestrians can learn new habits and actually share road space very sensibly if the necessary environment is put in place. For an island of less than 600 square kilometres, getting from A to B is a regular source of frustration for many. But what are politicians doing to change how we travel? And especially in a post-lockdown world, what could be done differently? Or what should be done differently for that matter? I'm joined in the studio by the man at the helm of decision-making on such matters, Minister of Infrastructure Tim Baker. I'm also joined by supporter of active travel, critic of heritage railways and speed limits advocate, middle MHK Bill Shimmins. Uh, good afternoon both, first of all. Uh, we heard from Kerry Sharp, MLC there, speaking during a recent debate about speed limits in Timwald. Mr Baker, if I could come to you first, um, what did we learn from lockdown? Oh, I think we we learned an awful lot across many different dimensions, but particularly in terms of uh, getting a, around the island, that uh, we saw we saw an opening up of different ways of, of people travelling, in particular. And I think uh, uh, Mr. Sharp there mentioned about uh, walking, walking, and cycling, and clearly they did come to prominence in in in, in this uh, period. And I think it's also led to uh, people becoming very comfortable with with those modes of, of activity particularly uh cycling and uh, an ex- absolute explosion in electric bikes um and, and a real opening up of people accessing uh the uh all, all parts of the island both on and off road uh, in in those forms of transport we heard from retailers of bicycles around the island that sales went through the roof really and and maintenance and all aspects of uh, of, of care for bikes Yes, ab- ab- absolutely. I believe that to be the case, and certainly uh, the the visible use of the, of the islands, roads, and uh, green lanes and, and byways uh, for those forms of uh, activity are definitely increasing. Um, particularly around the, my own area of the North of the Island, it's very evident how many more people are are actually out cycling. And uh, I understand, particularly up on the on the uplands, there's uh, much more uh, activity being seen up there. And uh, you know, in many ways, that's a very, very good thing. You almost feel guilty for saying it, I think, but for many people, the experiences of lockdown were quite enjoyable. Uh, the, the tranquility, cleaner air, um, a different pace of life, perhaps. Uh, Mr. Shimmins, is this uh, maybe a window into what Douglas, in particular, could look like? Well, well, first of all, Donan, uh, thank you for the introduction. I'm not sure that I'm a, a critic of Heritage Railways. I'm actually a, a keen supporter of, the, of our Heritage Railways, and I recognise the, the important asset they are. Uh, I, I guess what I would like to see the Heritage Railways run in a bit more of a sustainable way and, and a commercial way for the benefit of everybody uh, rather than for a small minority. Um, but let me just say I am a supporter of, of our Heritage Railways. In terms of what we saw in lockdown. Uh, yes, there was some real advantages. I think we have to also recognise that it was a bit of an artificial period uh, in terms of a lot of people were, were working from home, so there was a lot of traffic anyway. Um, and you did see a lot of people um, get out and about and, and take that exercise. Um, I, uh, in terms of the opportunity it creates, I think it's a long-term opportunity. I think what you're seeing elsewhere is significant investment into active travel infrastructure. Um, so Manchester, where Chris Boardman is the, the, is really driving that forward. And West Midlands just this weekend announced £260 million, uh, investment into an active travel network. And I think the key for me is creating dedicated routes, uh, well, segregation as well, to make it safer for people. Uh, I think it was safer during lockdown because there was less traffic and what traffic wasn't going so quickly. But that, as I say, was a bit of an artificial period. I think if we can really focus on that provision of infrastructure to support the the clear desire from people to actively travel. uh, And I think we also need to take a step back and and understand why why is this a good thing? Uh, And the Alaman is facing an obesity epidemic. We're seeing rapidly increasing rates of diabetes, heart disease, all sorts of diseases really caused by uh, a pretty sedentary uh, lifestyle. So if we can um, 
put in place um, that infrastructure for people, it enables them um, to, to make that choice, to take exercise safely. And there's lots of benefits for the individual and also for, for the island if we can do that. You've called it an artificial period, and it was, of course, artificial, it brought was. about by uh, exceptional circumstances. But lots of those themes that we saw have remained in part. People's working patterns haven't returned to pre-lockdown normal in lots of cases yet. Some of the island's biggest employers are, are still are still working at home. Uh, Mr Baker, how does the department measure those new working patterns and and factor that into decision-making about how people travel? Well, I think an- anecdotally, you're right, and I think it's an evolving picture, Dolan, of uh, some, some employers have made decisions for a, for a particular length of, of time to keep people uh, away from their um, normal workplace. Others are, are, are having a more flexible approach. I don't. I'm not aware of there being uh, formal monitoring of the of those things in in, in place. Um, but it is it is clear that uh, that patterns have changed, and I think that uh, working from home is now seen as a very normal uh, activity, uh, pretty much across across all all sectors where the the type of work uh, facilitates that. Um, but uh, we need to we, we need to. Um, recognize that in in the way that we think about uh, what the island needs going going forward and um, we we do need to create the right uh, the right infrastructure and the right environment to support different patterns of work and different pa- patterns of, of of traveling and that needs to be intentional and and we need a holistic approach to look um, at, at, at what people's needs are and, and how best to to satisfy them and i think i think it's important from from my perspective that um we have this active travel uh, discussion within the context of the of the wider piece around around how people do move around the island because I very much welcome that move to, towards a more active form of travel but it is it is part of the overall jigsaw and I think for me as as, as infrastructure minister it's about it's about balance and about ensuring that whatever people's uh, choice of, of, of travel um, that there is a solution for them and uh, you know, it's it's clearly unrealistic for every journey to right across the island to be uh, done in, a, in an active manner. Equally, do we want every journey being done uh, in, in in private cars, whatever the length? Uh, the answers the answers no uh, to that as well. And, and and what we need to provide is a is is, is an infrastructure, an ecosystem, if you like, that provides uh, choices, whether they be private travel, active travel, public public transport. And, and ensures that we're set up uh, in, the, in, the, in the right manner to support those, but to to make sure that where people have a desire to travel in a certain way, the right um, provision is is, is made, um, and and that we make it as easy as possible for that to happen. You're presented with a once in a lifetime opportunity to make those changes, aren't you? Off the back of, uh, as we said, unusual circumstances. The, the the unusual circumstances have have shown what what was possible in in in, in that particular situation. I think it has created an, an an awareness and an engagement around around these sort of issues. I think it's really important that as a community we engage with this. It's not it's not about you know one department of government taking a a position. It's about the the eighty four and a half thousand people uh, on on the Isle of Man uh, really. Thinking about and discussing what uh, what we want the island to to be like and to and, and to look like and how we make sure it's, we've got an inclusive approach which which works for everybody. Mr. Simmons, you. Yes, and I, <clears throat> I I absolutely agree with that. And I, perhaps if I could point to a specific example, and if we look at the works that have just been completed on the Heritage Trail between Douglas and Peel, um, you've seen an explosion in usage on on that track. Which is fantastic. So is, is is that measured? Well, there are counters there. I haven't seen the data, but I, I've been on the trail, which goes through middle, uh, and it's been fantastic to see so many people, all shapes and sizes, um, yes, actively travelling. Some of them are walking, some of them are cycling, some of them have got electric bikes. You know, this is all ages, all sexes, uh, but also it, it's it's an asset for for the whole island. So the vision really is to, to enable a, a family to cycle from Douglas Prom to Peel Prom and back and you're starting to see that which is just fantastic and if you look at the Quarter Bridge Toucan Crossing which is the first that we've seen on the island in terms of enabling walkers and cyclists to cross that really busy junction which had a, a very difficult 
um, sight line with the, the wall, which has now been taken away. There, you were you were taking your life in your own hands, really trying to cross that road at times. But now it's so much safer, and as a result of that investment, you're seeing people use it, and that that is, I think, brilliant. Uh, but I, what 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 really pleases me is the way that it's not just one particular group of people that's using it. It's all ages. It's it's young families. It's it's older people on electric bikes, and they're getting out. They're getting some fresh air, and they're smiling which is just fantastic that's true for your constituents of course and people from Glenvine and from crosby are likely to be the the ones and union mills using that path for most the same provision isn't there for people in other places in other parts of the island well I, i'm not sure it's just the people that live in, in Glenvine and, and and crosby i think you're, you're also seeing uh, people from douglas and from peel using it as well you know at the weekends particularly and and because it's a relatively flat um uh, trajectory on, on that because it goes across the central valley it, it, it's relatively easy um for people there's not, not not hills that people have to go up so so as i say all ages are using it. although with electric bikes these days you can you can get up most hills um certainly i i, I would like to see a further extension of that provision just to make it safer for people to to, to travel i, I think well, we, look- we are going to see a further extension of that mr baker aren't we up the west coast we are absolutely there's uh the scheme from St John's to, to Kirk Michael is, uh, is is at the uh, sort of final design stage at, at, at this point. We've got some planned applications uh, that have uh, that, that are going in around uh, replacing the the bridges at Ballys, Glenmore, and Glen and Glenwillen to as part of that scheme. And we're hoping to be uh, on site at the back end of this year with about a twelve month construction period, and that will. Build very much on the on 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 the, the work that's that's already in place that Bill's referred to, and ho- hopefully long term that will take the uh, um, the heritage trail all the way up to uh, back up to Ramsey, where of course it was the original Ramsey um, to St John's and then uh, Peel to Douglas uh, train line. So you know we're repurposing a, 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 an underutilized, almost redundant asset, and I think that's a very uh, smart piece of piece of work to to be doing and that's you know, that's more for leisure purposes isn't it rather than for for commuters yeah, whereas I, I the, the the central valley could be used for commuting it, it could i mean both could be used for commuters and i think people have got fixated with this term active travel um i i see it in the broader sense it's clearly all part of the same um initiative and the same the same theme which is getting people more active and the making uh, and having having the opportunity to make to make choices so frankly i think it's great whether it's used for um, commuting, which clearly is going to be more linked to people going in and out of Douglas mm-hmm. for, for for work, and they're more likely to be travelling the shorter distances, um, or whether it's whether it's the sort of leisure uh, market that uh, Bill referred to earlier with the families, etc., or even just recreational, uh, you know, getting out for exercise. I think all those things are valuable, and what would what what we're doing is putting in place the infrastructure to allow people to make the choices and if it's right if it's right for people to use it for commuting they'll do that and if it's right for them just using it for leisure they'll do that as well yeah i i would agree with that as well and there's been a lot of research um done on active travel schemes in terms of infrastructure that's been put in place uh, and the uk government did a review of a dozen schemes that had gone gone um taken place over the last few years and they showed that for every one pound spent on the scheme you got eight or nine pounds back in terms of that health benefit um so yes i think recreational is helpful but i think also we have we have quite a lot of data um and and that shows from the last census that there's a fair number of people who live in the outlying estates around douglas who work in douglas or in the business parks around douglas who, who drive relatively short distances so it's you know less than three miles um so onken to douglas farm hill governor's hill and and actually it would be great to see dedicated segregated safe walking and cycling routes for these people because realistically not that many people are going to commute actively from ramsey to douglas there'll be a few but not not many Mm -hmm. Uh, the 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 lowest hanging fruit for this is around douglas and i I certainly would love to see uh, this extended further um because actually that recreational um provision starts to become quite an exciting proposition for tourism because the active tourism market is is, has expanded significantly and it's very valuable for other islands so you see the likes of menorca mallorca tenerife receiving 
over half a million tourists each year. For they're, they're substantially better climates. They're going to be more open to active travel because it's going to be a more pleasant experience for people than it is here, isn't it? Well, th- that's it's certainly hotter, but actually for active holidays, sometimes baking heat is not ideal, to yeah. be honest. So uh, I think we, uh, and the feedback, that I've received, if you look at what Scotland's done, if you look at what Ireland's done, they've grown their active travel provision um, and it's their fastest growing segment for tourism. And, and our climate is very similar. So if we could create a network, actually that becomes a very exciting proposition as we look to grow our visitor economy. Uh, and we've got a great story to tell, but it needs to be safe. The, this, the safety is the key. This, this is long-term thinking though, isn't it? And yeah. within, within the current network that we have in place, People who are going to be open to the idea of travelling actively probably are already, aren't they? Well, that's, that's not necessarily the case. So we did a number of uh, consultations and surveys uh, at the outset of the active travel policy, which was approved by, by Timbold. And, and that showed that the biggest concern for people was the road safety. So if you go to... Um, most of the primary schools are across the island. <clears throat> the car park is rammed at the start of the day and the end of the day. Often um, it, the, the police are sometimes called because of, of, of the, the issues that that creates. And so, so, so a lot of children are being dropped off and picked up each day. And then when, when you talk to the parents, the feedback you get in terms of consultation is actually, I'd love for my child to be able to walk or, or cycle to school, but it's just not safe on the road. So that's why active travel provision is, is essential. I certainly don't believe that the, the people who would actively travel are, are, are the people that are doing it just now. I think the biggest fear is road safety, and we can make it safer. I think we'll see a significant um, increase in the number of people who choose to do that. As Tim says, not everyone can do it because they've got other commitments that they may have health constraints. But if we can make it safe, we know the experience that we've seen already and the experience from elsewhere is actually participation rates increase significantly. We've spoken about the Heritage Trail along along the Central Valley. Mm-hmm. There are other routes that have been worked upon in the not-too-distant past um, through Douglas Golf Club. There's a, a way to cycle in, isn't there, there? There was a plan to go through Nobles Park, yep. um, which so far seems to have been shelved. Is uh, there a reason not, for that? No, it's not been shelved. It's. Uh, I think it's fair to say that... Um, the active travel, uh, in in the narrow sense of of, of active travel, uh, th- that initiative has um, not progressed quite as quickly as I think many people would have would would have hoped. There's been one or two issues around that. Um, from uh, my what, perspective, what, what are those issues? Sorry, just quickly. Well, I think I think uh, money probably n- no, not particularly. No, I think it's more around uh, just formulating a very clear. Um, approach and 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 then for then driving through and delivering uh against that when i when came into the doi ministerial role which was only you know two and a half i think i think it's about 10 weeks now um obviously had a had a good look at what i'd what i'd inherited and one of the things uh, around active travel there was a fairly unusual governance uh, arrangement around it which um i didn't feel was was particularly uh, effective and i think bill um, from the conversation we've had, I think Bill Bill acknowledged that. And um, what I what I want to do is really drive through in terms of the commitments that have been made in terms of the specific routes, uh, make sure we've got the right governance going forward, and ensure we've got a clear plan. It should be no different, really, from any other um, form of of, of project. Um, it, it it does need a cross departmental approach, which, uh, which 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 we're we're having, but many things uh, requ- require that. Um, but I think. We've had a, an involvement with Sustrans again. Uh, don't want to go into too many too many details on 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 that, but uh, we need to embed this into uh, the way we're we're working, and uh, it's absolutely uh, important that we that, that we do push forward on that and create those uh, routes that are accessible to people. They do they do need to be to be safe, um, but as well we 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 don't limit our thinking. To, to that narrow definition of active travel, and do take the opportunity that is is there around things like the heritage the heritage trail, and um, there's also some some quite tactical opportunities around schools, for example. So you've seen bus, shel- uh, bus shelters, you've seen cycle shelters go into uh, uh, several several schools, and that's about um, making sure that we're putting in place what's required uh, to make this a realistic uh, proposition for people so there are but many there are I, many things that people need to be able to 
travel actively in a practical manner so whether that's somewhere to store the bicycles whether it's somewhere to change or shower these these things all need thinking thinking through um and it is a long it's a long-term progression engaging with with uh, schools but also employers too um and to try and pick off some some quick wins where we can, but but equally lay down some real strategic uh, vision for the for the longer term. The overwhelming majority of roads and paths in the current network, as it is at the minute, um, probably aren't safe for heavy bicycle traffic, at least. Um, maybe even for walkers in some places. And there's a perception, I think, that governments pushing active travel without necessarily making the changes to the infrastructure network to facilitate that. Yeah. Do, do you think do you think it's back to front? I th- I think the governance uh, element is 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 really important, and I think we 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 need to ensure that we are taking a holistic picture. So it's very easy to say that, um, for example, you, you need to segregate the uh, the cyclists from uh, the other road vehicles. And I think in an ideal world you would, but we've got the road network that we've got. Um, how do you how do you take um, what we've got and make it the best that it can be um, in, a, in a practical way um, without fundamentally uh, impacting other, other, other forms of, of, of travel and it's you know, if you've got big wide roads it's, as, as, as there are in many other um, jurisdictions it's, it, it's easier here we've got a, a road network which has been built up over the years um, we have to work with what we've got um, but at the same time, be clear about where the opportunities are that we haven't tapped into. So the Heritage Trail, um, not just the uh, Douglas to Peel, but the whole network up to up to the north of the island, you know, that's a really important thing to take advantage of. And with some um, targeted work and, 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 and investment, we can make that um, in, in, into something that stands alone and clearly there are no uh, cars, lorries etc on those uh, routes um, we, need, we need to be addressing all of these issues in, 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 in parallel and I think the active travel fundamentally needs to be seen as part of our whole strategy around um, transport, our road network, how it fits with public transport Hmm. Uh, in, in, in particular, uh, parking, etc. We we need to be able to look at the at the whole picture, not just, <coughs> not, not just a narrow piece of it in isolation. Just finally, Mr. Shimmins, on this topic, you've mentioned that there's a bit of a captive audience in a way, and people who live around Douglas. But if you can't make active travel a safe prospect for these people, we're not going to see any change, are we? I think, I think there's a clear commitment now from Tim and others and governments, the Chief Minister made a clear commitment last week as well, to provide more active travel infrastructure. And, and it's unfortunate, I think, the active travel um, infrastructure has, has not gone as well as we'd hoped. I think there was a question of prioritisation, but it's clear to me now it is a priority for the Department of Infrastructure and others. And and the points that Tim makes, I think, are quite valid in terms of you've got a Victorian road network, You've, you've actually got 10,000 more motor vehicles uh, registered on the island in the last five years, which is an incredible statistic when actually the population has been relatively flat. So I welcome the commitment for the to, to follow through on the two agreed routes, the Douglas to Onken active travel, walking and cycling route, and the Douglas to Farm Hill, Spring Valley uh, walking and cycling route. And actually, if we look at that conundrum we've got, increasing number of cars, we've got a Victorian road network, active travel can reduce the strain on the road mm. network. So it creates more capacity on the roads because a lot of the people that are commuting in and out of Douglas is the single people in one one car. So if you can get a number of these people, not everybody, because we need to be realistic, if you get a number of these people to walk or cycle, not only does that benefit their health, um, it also reduces the strain on the roads. So if we don't do that, we'll be faced with the need of actually building dual carriageways. I don't think anybody wants that. So so I, I think there's many, many reasons um, that we could progress this. Uh, and so I'm delighted to hear Tim confirm his commitment for those two key routes uh, in, in the near future. Okay, let's, um, let's move on to public transport. Um, some of the decisions made by infrastructure this year have given us clues to where the department's priorities lie. Uh, some of that being in the changes at Glencutry Road and Governor's Dip, which of course I have to ask you about, Minister. Um, drivers will be getting more used to those changes now. Am I right in thinking that one of the real reasons for those changes was to try and create more room for buses on the roads? 
That was that was part of it. I mean, just to step back one 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 pace, Dolan. I mean, the reason we put those temporary changes to Glencrutchery uh, and particularly St Ninian's Junction and, and, and Governor's Dip was around mitigation, miti- mitigating the effects of the traffic that was displaced from the prom going going one way. If we'd done if we'd done nothing, um, traffic congestion inevitably would have been uh, significantly. Re- worse on the other routes around Douglas so it's a, it's a perfect storm for you minister isn't it really I, I, you could you could describe it as that but from my point of view we've got a job to do which is to get the prom finished um we took advantage of the uh, situation sadly that we had you know almost no or certainly very limited tourist season this year to give the contractor the opportunity to press on with the prom scheme um as part of that we we eliminated the constraint that they must maintain two-way traffic and, and put the uh, put the problem one way so that displaced the, uh, the a significant amount of traffic from from the problem which is of course is one of them it plays many parts in in our island but one of the parts that it plays is it's a it's a major uh, road um so that traffic had to go somewhere we made changes to st Ninians and to uh, governor's dip but it would they were changes in favor of bus and cycle use to the detriment of private motorists uh well c- certainly the the, the st ninian's um junction the, the left filter lane uh did clearly prioritize buses and uh cycling um i don't think you could make the same case around the, the governor's dip um but uh, but also it was a slightly more sophisticated picture uh we knew there was going to be congestion around douglas we'd rather have the congestion uh, somewhere like st ninian's than we would uh, as you go down Woodburn Road, for example, or to, on, onto the terrace, uh, where it's less easy to manage and was more likely to lead to traffic going into residential streets. Um, clearly, people reacted um, to uh, both the speed of, of the change and you know, the department always needs to improve its communication. Um, and, and it came as a bit of a shock because people are used to travelling the routes day by day um, in a very familiar way and, and actually they were quite significant changes but have, have there have there been changes to the uptake on buses as a result so the it's a very difficult question to answer because um the use of buses dropped right down through the covid period partly because people weren't traveling but more fundamentally because it's a public form of transport and people uh, felt uncomfortable with um being in a public public space and you know we saw that particularly in the uk where um it was seen as public transport being a, a big risk area um the level of recovery on public transport has been significant but it's still below the levels we would normally expect part of that of course is the fact that people are working from home um so it's a very difficult uh, question question to answer we did we did of course put in some um, promotional activity around uh the onken Baldrine and Laxey route um to to try and encourage the take up of uh, of uh, bus rather than rather than driving has it worked uh it's had an impact it's, it, we're, we're still part way through and there's gonna be a full uh, assessment at the end of it but we've got no plans to um expand the expand the scope of that at, at, at this point given that we've only got three three weeks of it left until uh, um and, and until the uh arrangement the temporary arrangements uh uh, are uh, are ended um but you know it's important that we that we try different things it was a, a low risk situation and um yeah i certainly don't think it had failed um but uh from from my point of view public transport is is a very important part of the solution and particularly we haven't mentioned climate change yet in the conversation but you know if we're serious about addressing climate change which i believe we are I believe that the public wants it and certainly the mood of tim world is very much uh to to address it we have to we have to address our major carbon emissions, and that the, the, those are twofold. One is our transport system; the other is our um, buildings. And um, if we if we're not prepared to to change things, then we're not going to get any different outcomes. Mr. Shimmins, um, do you agree with Mr. Baker's comments about public transport and the uptake? I, I think it's clear to me you know, that we need to get the prom done as soon as possible. It, you know, a lot of the businesses on the prom are on their knees, and uh, we must get that done quickly. In terms of uh, the Glencrutchery Road 
lane so i'm a great believer of going to see things so i went up to have a look at that and i, I wouldn't actually recommend it's primarily it's a bus lane i wouldn't recommend that cyclists go there actually i think it's quite quite dangerous uh, well i, I, sp- I spoke to a cyclist uh, just by the grandstand who had gone through it uh, in car and in uh, or on on a bike and said he wouldn't be doing so again no it's quite intimidating i think uh, and there's, there's also a bit of aggression unfortunately there because quite a lot of bad feeling uh, i think any cyclist would be well advised to go through nobles park which is the preferred route so it's primarily a bus lane my my only observation and clearly i'm not a traffic uh, designer um but my, from when i went up to have a look at this scenario there were a lot of buses and other vehicles which were trapped in the the right-hand lane before you could get into the left-hand side and and i think if we could extend the left-hand lane i think that might help would be my personal view and also, which which, which uh, has been done Mr. it has Baker, yeah it has been done a bit at yeah least. There's, a, there's a number of things that have been done and we you know we we put this in and then we reflected uh on on, on what we found and what we learned so um many of the comments particularly in the early state in the early days were very uh hostile to it um but you know we put the advanced uh, stop line for, for cyclists in there we did extend the uh the left the left turn lane to uh to increase the, the capacity of that and to get away from the issue or to reduce the issue that that, that bill's referred to there um so would, would you would you see it extended well, further maybe I, mr Simmons? i think it would be helpful to give that a go i, mean, I was actually up there last weekend my wife and i were, were stuck in the the queue looking to, to to go down there and we could see uh, other vehicles including buses so i think it'd be good to pull it back and also i'm slightly unsure why uh, taxis can't use the bus lane because bus lanes elsewhere taxis can use them so i think that's caused quite a lot of ill feeling Minister? amongst the taxi drivers yeah i mean you know these these are these are not new points there's a couple, there's a couple was, of that, things. was that considered we've we've considered all sorts in in light of in light of feedback i mean there's, there's with with taxis there's a difficult uh, enforcement situation how 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 do you control that many many taxis look quite similar to uh, to, to to private cars um the, uh, the 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 other thing is um, the these are temporary arrangements. So you know we, we a lot of people I think are, are, are reacting as if this is a permanent change. It's not. It's a stopgap, isn't it? It, it really? is absolutely. You know the the prom is 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 one way um, at the moment. That's linked to the closure of uh, of Broadway and and and, and Summerhill. Um, those are going to be opening up. And uh, when they do, we'll be we'll be changing those arrangements. So I think, of course, there are lessons from from from, from all of this, and it's important that as we, that it's important that we're prepared to try things because if you don't try things, you never know. Um, people will always, whatever you do, people will always say you shouldn't have done it, and it should go back to how it was before. Almost almost irrespective of what it is that you're doing, that's the that's the first reaction. Equally, people get get used to things as well. Um, we're on a journey here. We have to be able to try things. If if they don't work, we have to uh, reflect on how can we change those. But I w- the point I would make, and again, it's been a little bit lost in the conversation, is that the key issue is the volume of traffic using those roads. If they're not queuing at the St Ninian's Junction, they're going to be queuing further down uh, in, in, into Douglas. And all of that was, was, was considered and looked at. And um, as, as we've seen recently, the... St Ninians hasn't been uh, hasn't tended to be such a such a, a, a pinch point, but actually around Woodburn Road and and, and, and on the terrace has, has been significantly worse. So people have changed their driving habits accordingly, haven't they? They've had to go around or take different routes or or go yeah. ways they wouldn't normally because yeah. they end up quicker. Well, ab- ab- absolutely, that's normal human behaviour. People people adapt, and you know that's that's a, that's a that's a good thing uh, that that people do adapt. It's not necessarily a good thing for 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 a number of people living in Douglas who, who are complaining now that their streets have become rat runs so th- these residential estates are now seeing high volumes of traffic as people try and get round the, the, there is an issue with the volume of traffic that's coming in but there's also a safety issue so in these residential streets um, it's I know that some of my colleagues who are MHKs in Douglas are getting really high levels of complaints from people about suddenly their residential area has become a rat run, and and that that's difficult because that's that's you know people live there with their children and there's elderly people who are struggling to cross the road. So very it, very quickly, Minister, was that avoidable? Well, part of the point I made earlier was about having the having the congestions around uh, out of town, so more around uh, the St Ninian's Junction. That actually. Uh, reduces the the, the uh, temptation to, to behave in that way. But what I would say is this is all about 
people making choices as to how they're going to travel. Nobody's forcing them to, to, to cut through residential areas. Um, nobody's forcing people to, to, to be confrontational with, with, with cyclists, for instance. It's, it's about how we, as a community, conduct ourselves. And um, what I would ask and, and encourage people to, to be very considerate about those who are impacted by their decisions. So the people that Bill, Bill mentions there, the, the residents, uh, people using other forms of transport, you know, generally we're a pretty tolerant island um yes people might have you know some some uh inconvenience that was always going to be the case you can't shut something like the prom without it inconveniencing people there's always an impact and whatever we'd done we we would have had that the only way we wouldn't have had it would be if we weren't doing the prom well you know we've had 10 years of of, of not doing the prom and every talk about it and what a dreadful condition it was it it was in how much it needed doing and you know we've we've grabbed the bull by the horns minister harmer took it on i'm finishing it you've got to be focused you can't have you can't have the end product without the pain of going of, of going through it very quickly all those things uh, taken into account a campaign was launched recently asking for half price bus fares for students mm-hmm. in full time education i'm sure you're aware minister um, and i believe yeah. they've contacted you will that be considered so <sighs> couple of points on that one is there already are concessionary arrangements for people in full-time education through the various uh, go card schemes and i've asked uh, public transport just to just to collate those um schemes that actually are already are available so that we can communicate that out uh, perhaps a bit better than we uh, than we have and make the make the uh, people campaigning aware of all those uh, dif- different schemes so will it be considered yeah i mean i'm i'm open to considering everything I, I i passionately believe in public in good public transport and that's about but it's not just about price it's about the availability it's about the quality of the buses it's about the uh length of the journey time um and and the whole the whole package we have got a great public transport system on the alman that stand stands comparison against any of the bus services uh el- elsewhere um it's got a balance between the financial cost of it and social inclusion um but it's definitely got a key part to play in both accessibility for for people and and also in the climate change challenge and um it's very easy to reduce everything to price you know nobody everybody wants things as cheap as possible but there are financial constraints we're not doing this in 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 isolation you know, there is a price for the service. Well, the the argument made is that it would pay for itself because that's a very easy statement to make, and and you know, it'll only pay for itself if there's a significant uptake in um, in, in in usage, which uh, counteracts the loss of revenue from those who are already using it. Um, you know, that that's a statement that I've not seen any substance to back it up. Um, very easy statement to make. Um, but what I am passionate about is working with the team that we've got in public transport to absolutely make the service the best that it can possibly possibly be, not just for young people, but for, for everybody. Let's come back to commuting. And uh, for people in the south of the island, some have the option to commute to work in Douglas using the Heritage Railways or have had. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever feel that the Heritage Railways in each of their components are going to be a viable mode of commuting for people is that is that included i i don't see the heritage railways as 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 a uh core part of our uh transport and commuting infrastructure i think they are um they are great things which i i very much believe uh, are important for the isle of man um because important for what though i think primarily for for our proposition as a destination for people to uh visit uh because they make us distinctive um, and uh, but also as a as a great place to, to 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 live as well, and the part of the fabric of the island. But you look at the length of time it takes to uh, uh, journey uh, on 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 those those different uh, forms of transport. They're, they're, that's not commuting. That's they're they're journeys of desire rather than journeys of necessity. Mr. Shimmins, you've argued in uh, sittings in Timwall that there isn't a business case for some aspects of the heritage railways to keep going is that your is that your main concern uh my my, uh so first of all i agree with tim that the 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 heritage railways are not a commuting resource i think with the population that we have it's unrealistic to expect them to be a commuter route and they only run for 
a small number of months uh, during the year. So they are a, a journeys of desire, they're great things, uh, but they're, they're not a commuting route. And I think you'd have to see the population grow exponentially, perhaps even above a million, to justify the type of mass transit uh, tram system, electric tram system, because actually they work well in moving large numbers of people through highly densely populated areas. Well, uh, the, po- the population has grown enormously in Peel, for example. And there was once a railway line connecting Peel and Douglas. Is that not a viable thing ever again? Uh, sadly not. I mean, it's, it's unrealistic. So the population appeals roughly 5,000. Um, it would need to be many, many times more than that to make it viable. The, the other thing I think people just need to consider is that where people work has changed a lot uh, over the decades. So a lot of the offices that were in the centre of Douglas are now in outlying business parks. So the, the actual train routes and tram routes don't go to where a lot of the workplaces are and, and they go nowhere near where the high schools are in Douglas. So um, they're a great tourist attraction, um, but really, um, if you look at the cost of putting in uh, a mass transit electric tram, it's, 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 it's roughly about $400 million. Um, and it, it, you would need a population of, I think, on the on on the numbers that I've looked at, uh, in excess of a million to make it work. Because so we've it, seen it work with great success in places like Edinburgh, in Greater Manchester, other places that Manx residents will have gone to. You think it's a, a matter of scale, basically? It, it absolutely. If you look at those areas, they're densely populated urban areas, and and they work really well there. We kind of have the opposite here. We have. Very long lines with uh, not not a great deal of population uh, close to those lines. So the way that a mass transit system works is short lines with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. Um, we don't have that. So so whilst it's, I absolutely admire the the passion and the ambition that uh, the heritage railway enthusiasts have, uh, and, I, and I love that. It's unrealistic to, to to try and look at them as a mass transit commuting uh, network. It, it just doesn't stack up. I'm told that the new tracks being laid along Douglas Promenade for the horse trams could accommodate bigger vehicles uh, such as the Manx Electric Railway trams. Um, Could we ever see those trams going all the way down to the sea terminal? Well potentially the the tracks that the tracks as you say do allow for um, the the weight etc that uh, would be required of of that type of uh, that type of vehicle, um, obviously, you need you need other infrastructure uh, to, be, to to be added on because um, that so would deposit people right in the heart of Douglas. It, it would do, um, but at the moment you've got the link anyway with the with the horse trams to the to the electric tram. But well, we we don't at the moment, but we, well, we would have no. But when this is all finished, you you you're going to you're going to have that. Um, yeah, I mean that was a, um, a a decision that was made when the uh, the the tracks were were being procured. There was an opportunity to procure tracks that uh, would cope with uh, uh, the potential for the uh, the MER to run down 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 the prom um, that was all done within the cost budgets that were that, that were in the scheme um, so that was sensible future proofing because um, yeah. you, you you've been criticized for not future proofing in other areas like we spoke about the heritage railway line um, sorry the heritage trail even up the west coast of the island those bridges aren't going to be weight bearing so there's no well, not weight bearing for uh, for vehicles, I should say. So there's no provision for railways up that line again in the future. Whereas there could be the MER coming down the prom at some point in the future. Yeah, and you've got to you've got to judge each of these situations on their on their own merit. I think to try and put together a business case which said we're going to put such heavy duty uh, bridge infrastructure into the that west coast route from Kirk Michael down, um, when what we're doing is creating a heritage trail for. For you know, walkers, cyclists, horse riders, um, and, and and importantly for disabled access, um, I think that would be seen as a vanity project. And I think you know, in, in the times that we're in, even if I thought it was a good idea uh, to to submit a business case to to justify that, I think the uh, challenges and the uh, process within government would have said that's that's not something we can support. Um, so it wasn't a, considered at any point. Um, I, I mean, obviously, the, this has been a while in the in in, in the making, and uh, so could I say it had never been considered? I couldn't categorically say that, but certainly it's not something that I think uh, sh- should have been or uh, was uh, was ever a realistic prospect. Um, whereas running running some electric trams down down the prom that 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 could ha- that could happen. It's almost a natural extension 
Um, and but importantly, we did that in, was done in, in place of the horse trams, or as well as as well as yeah. Um, but you know, the important point with that was that could be accommodated within something we were already doing at no extra cost. So it it was a pragmatic decision, uh, which I think that was worth doing. But some some of this other stuff is would be so speculative. And as Bill's just said, you know, the, the prospect of of putting the major capital investment that would be required to create that uh, that sort of uh, train system, which which was taken away fifty years ago, um, I just think that's un- that is unrealistic. We've spoken a lot about commuting. Um, it's not all about work, of course, and people do travel for leisure as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most popular things to do on the island is to get the tram up Snaefell. Um, you can't do that this year, no. of course. We're just going to hear quickly from Julian Nutter, who is the secretary of the Manx Electric Railway Society. Now, what he appears to have done is simply made an off-the-cuff Nero-esque decision. It's not running this year. I am the great minister. I've made my decision. And I would be surprised if a man such as that is prepared to go back on it. But let's hope he will, and he will accept this gift as something which is intended to help him in these difficult times. Minister, you've been offered £9,000 by a small organisation to run that service. Uh-huh. Will that decision be reversed? Will you be accepting that offer? So we're, we're considering, we're looking at the, at the figures. However, um, I was very surprised with the way um, the uh, Max Electric Railway Society um, did this by just firing out a, a press release uh, with no dialogue with myself. Extremely surprised by Mr Nutter's uh, comments, given that I've never uh, knowingly met the individual. He seemed to uh, be making some very clear statements about what my intentions were or were or were not. He. But is, seemed... is, is it an offer you would be accepting or open to accepting? I'm open to properly considering in the context of the economics of running a service up Snaefell for a very short period of time. But what I would point out is that the decision was made that we back during the COVID period that there was going to be no Heritage Rail run at all this year. What we did um, on the back of the staycation market and the visitors coming from Guernsey, which are, who are very welcome to this island, we made a pragmatic decision on the basis of some considered um, analysis that we could open up the MER and the steam railway uh, for a limited programme over the school summer ho- summer holidays. So actually what Mr Nutter should have been highlighting was the fact that the decision to close those services had already been made and I've actually opened up two of the three services. So um, I'm afraid Mr Nutter's way of approaching this hasn't been helpful um, and we will of course consider it but um, the the offer that's been made and it was very unclear e- even their press release from the, the uh, Max Electric Railway Society was inconsistent because at one place it talked about three week service uh, elsewhere it talked about four week service um, it's frankly not the way to, to go about these sort of things We are running out of time but did that decision in the first place have anything to do with safety concerns? No Mr Shimmins would you support the department's decision? I, I think the Offer by stance, the, I should say. Yeah, so. I think the offer by the railway society is really interesting. Um, and if you look at heritage railways elsewhere, they're generally run as uh, societies. They're run by volunteers, and uh, it's clear to me that there can no longer be a blank check for our heritage railways. So the fact that the railway society is offering a, a check, whether that's sufficient or not, I don't know. In terms of the details, I think is an interesting development. The department's uh, implied that it's <coughs> not sufficient. Yeah. Uh, anyway, based, the based, on, based on the, the figures at the moment, it's uh, it, it would only be a a portion of the of, of the extra cost that would be incurred. And bear in mind that we've already um, made the decision earlier in the year not to run these services, and that's reflected in our budget update that uh, yeah. Treasury Minister took to uh, Timwald in July. I think it's quite important to recognise that actually heritage railways elsewhere are generally not run by the government. They're not um, subsidised to the significant extent they are here by the taxpayer. So I, I think they will continue to need some form of support. But I think it's very interesting that the Railway Society is starting to recognise that and starting to offer um, real financial support. And I think it's an interesting situation as we look for the future of, of the 
Heritage Railway Network because it will be competing against the health service, against education for scarce taxpayer funds. So, so it, in, in some ways, it's quite a, well. The detail of this, I think, is is clearly to be worked out by Tim and his colleagues. But that recognition, actually, that. Um, it's no longer sustainable, perhaps, to constantly for the taxpayer to pay for the heritage railways in their entirety, I, I think is quite an interesting development. I'm led to believe that the mountain route, the business case for the mountain route, is stronger, perhaps, than for other aspects of the heritage railways. I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I haven't seen the, the business case, so uh, I, I think it'd be wrong for me to comment on that. Um, I think it is important to, to recognise that the Heritage Railways require many millions of taxpayer funds every year, and they are very, very expensive things to run. They're wonderful, but they're very, very expensive. So I think it's, it's right that they um, need to justify that taxpayer expense, just like every other department of government does. Mr Baker, does everything have to be profit-making? No, no, everything doesn't have to be profit-making. It, it's about, but it is about using limited fun, funding in the most appropriate way for the, for the island as a whole. And, um, you know, we have to have a proper considered approach to these sort, sort of things. But just coming back to your point about the business case, you know, we looked at the three railways uh, when uh, we were looking at how we could support the, the staycation market and the, uh, um, the visitors. And... Uh, it was very clear that the two railways which we supported to restart had um, a lower risk um, proposition. So uh, that's why we chose those two. The other, the other thing is um, the Snowfall Mountain Railway is taking passengers up to the top of the mountain uh, and then back down again. Other than the other than the cafe, which would, would clearly need to be open at the top there, there's 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 not a wider spin-off benefits. Whereas actually, the other um, Steam Railway and the MER take people into you know parts of the island and and, and perhaps lead people to uh, spend money in in some of our uh, towns and villages across the island. Mm-hmm. Um, we brought all these things into in, into account. So you know th- there was a reason why the Snowfall Mountain Railway didn't get get picked to be reopened, and it was because of the financial and operational implications. Um, and we felt the wider benefits were greater on the other the other two. We're out of time, I'm afraid. Uh, There's lots more that we could chat about, but one for another day. Thank you very much indeed, Infrastructure Minister Tim Baker. Thank you. Middle MHK Bill Shimmins, thanks for joining me. Thank you for listening. Take care.